You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. See, you can be the church or you can do church. Jesus was rebuking these folk because they was doing church, but they wasn't being church. They served God with their mouth, but their actions and their heart were far from them. They said they loved the Lord, but when it come right down to commitment, they had other priorities. God help us to get out in our community. Most people associate their church and their Christian experience with what happens at the physical building. And it goes no further than that. Are you actively serving the Lord, or is your service only happening with your mouth? In Pastor Gary's message today, he cautions those who only pay lip service to the Lord. Don't equate church and your Christian life with the activities that happen in a physical building. The Lord desires for you to live your walk with Christ outside of the church building. Don't let other commitments get in your way of doing the Lord's work in tangible ways. Ask yourself, When was the last time you did something for the Lord? Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Luke chapter 14 as he continues his message, When God Gets Angry. There's something to be said of this servant. I don't have time to preach much on the servant, but I wanted to inject that this morning because it is important for us to understand that God has mercy on whom he will have mercy. And sometimes he has mercy on people that we will not have mercy on. Back when we uh, was participating in a home for men who were addicted to drugs and alcohol, I would go in the community and try to raise support for this men's home. And, and I was told on more than one occasion, I don't help that kind. And it would break my heart because my daddy was that kind. My grandpas were that kind. God turned my whole family tree around. See, men dispose others they deem worthless but God reaches out and he focuses on those that are broken hearted and cast down the last thing you need to do is stick up your snubby nose at somebody that's in desperate need of help the first thing you need to do is reach out with a loving hand and embrace them in the grace of God and the love of Christ and give them an opportunity to hear your testimony of what God did for you and he can do for them God help us this morning to go with the reach that Christ is going with He is fierce in who he is after. If you're lost this morning and you need a Savior and you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked and you know that there's no hope without Christ, you're the kind of person Jesus saves. You're the kind of person that he wants. He wants to set you up on a solid rock and establish your goings. He wants to plant your feet in the church and make you a glorified vessel that's fit for the use of the Master that you might bring glory and honor to him this morning. And we see here that he shifted his focus. I, I don't know about you, but when God begins to shift his focus, I want to be the one that he is walking towards, not the one that he is walking from. And this shows us thoroughly that when he shifts his reach, not only did he do it fastly and fiercely, but he did it far. He said, uh, he went on to say, go into the highways and the hedges. In other words, there's no geographical distance that's too far. Wherever you can find them, go tell them and invite them to come. And you know, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a, both near and far. There is no distance too great that God can't gap at the foot of the cross if you'll come to him. And there's no distance too great that the church ought not to be willing to travel to tell somebody 
everybody about Jesus. But now here's a word of caution. If he shifts his focus off of you because you've rejected him, he can do that at his will. And the Bible says, behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. The Bible says call on him while he is near. You don't just choose one day whenever you're going to get saved. Well, I think I'll get saved when I'm ready. Well, guess what? You may never be ready if you wait on your timetable. You're playing Russian roulette with your soul when you say that I will get saved when I'm good and ready. Because the Bible says for us to call on Him while He is near. That means when He is dealing with you, when you have an open invitation and you have yet to respond, you need to respond now and immediately so that your day of grace may not pass by you. Because God has promised that, you know, the Bible says that He has given to every man a certain measure of faith. Everybody, I believe, will have one chance in their lifetime to be saved. I don't believe that God is obligated to give you any more than one chance. I wouldn't gamble with my soul, sir. I wouldn't gamble with my soul, madam. If God is dealing with you about giving your life to Christ, do it and do it today and don't let your power or your possessions or the people in your life or maybe even the people at church keep you from going to Jesus because at the end of the day, your soul is at stake. You don't want to be left and found where Jesus passed by your way. Because you would not accept him when he was calling. Talking about when God gets angry, it shows us his response and it, it shifts his reach. He may just turn to another people. This is a warning to churches today. God may shift his focus. You don't want revival. He may send it somewhere else. You better be sure that you respond appropriately and in obedience to God's will for your ministry. And then thirdly, when God gets angry, it settles his resolve. It settles his resolve. There in verse 24, for I say unto you, first he declared it. When God declares something, it shall be. There's nothing you can do to change it. You don't want God to declare judgment over you. Not only did he declare it, but he decided it. He said that none of those men which were bidden Shall they see God's decision? God's decision is based on your decision. God wouldn't send anybody to hell. He don't. You willfully choose to go there. You willfully choose to go there. If you reject the goodness of God, I've said it a hundred times, I'll say it a hundred more, God did everything humanly and divinely possible that you might be saved. All you have to do is call on Him with a repentant heart and a heart of faith. Trust Him as your Savior and Lord. Let Him be Lord of your life. He'll save you and He'll cleanse you and He'll wash your sins away. Amen. He'll make you a new creature. God did everything. All you have to do is call on Him. And so if you reject Him, it's not His fault. His decision is based on your decision. On Judgment Day, if He decides to send you to hell, it'll only be because you decided to reject Him. If a church loses the touch of God and loses the presence of God because they want to do it their way and not the biblical way, then they have chosen that. If God chooses to move His presence or His spirit or His man to another location that's hungry for God, that's not God's choice. That was the people's choice. Jesus said that in Capernaum, He did not many wonderful works because of their unbelief. How you respond to God is very important. If we continue to be non-responsive, I think much of our church life, 
we live in a state of non-response. We soak the Word, and we sit on the Word, but we never put the Word into action. How much longer do you think God would be patient with us to feed us if we do nothing with what it is that He is feeding us with? I'm talking about when God gets angry. I know that this is not a going to go over as one of my best top ten sermons of the year. But it's needed in this hour in which we live. When God's resolve is settled, He declares it, He decides it, and He delivers on His promise. He delivers. My heart's cry for the church is that we would be revived. You know, the Lord said in Psalm chapter 7 and verse 11, God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. God judgeth the righteous, and He is angry with the wicked every day. It ought to be our prayer that we would be sheltered beneath His grace. And you know, if you're a saved individual, you'll go to heaven because of what Jesus did for you. But there are so many blessings that you could forfeit if you choose to live in disobedience to His commands. You do not want to forfeit all that God has for you. He's saying, come and dine. You, you don't even know what you're missing. You think you're going to miss out dedicating your life to Christ, young person? No, no, no. You have no idea what you're going to miss if you don't serve God. Tell you what I miss. I miss a lot of hell and heartache. That's right. I escaped the jaws of death. I live as a 35-year-old man married to the same woman for 15 years. All five of my children with the same woman. My life is together not because of anything that I do, but because of the grace of God. And God helped me to have enough sense along the way to make a few good choices that was honoring to Him. And today I'm not a statistic, and that's only because of the grace of God. And there's a lot of things I miss. If I look around and statistically look at all the people that I graduated high school with and all the people that I went uh, that was in the same youth group that I was in the difference between my life and theirs was simply one word and it was the word response you can have a blessed life if you will respond appropriately to the word of God but if you want to choose your way do everything the way you want to do it and you respond incorrectly to the word of God and his will for your life then you have chosen my friend to live on the wrong side. Amen. To live in a place that is not secured by the blessings of God. Now that's your choice. But I would caution you today to not allow the Lord to pass by your way. Because some decisions will never be undone. You may get forgiveness for it. But there are some decisions that you will reap for the rest of your life saved or not, forgiven or not. You don't want to make those mistakes. In Romans chapter 9, the Bible asks an important question. It says, what if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endureth with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, <laughs> that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy, which He had before prepared unto glory? 
Even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. So we see the shifting of his focus from the Jews to the Gentiles. And, and the question was, what if, what if God, in his righteous indignation, allows you to have what you want? Do you really want to live that kind of existence without the blessings and the power and the provisions of God at your disposal. Trust me, you do not want to go there. I thought about Jonah. Remember when Jonah went to the city of Nineveh. I won't read the text for sake of time. I'm trying to bring it to a close. But Jonah went and preached after he surrendered to God's will for his life. He ran, but God put him back in his place. And he went and preached and declared to the city of Nineveh, that yet 40 days, Jonah 3, 4, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You know what happened? The people got concerned all the way up to the king's house. They took seriously the word of God. They actually understood that this is a life or death situation. They began to respond to the word of God. They didn't just take it as another sermon and file it in the archives of the memory bank to do nothing with. They took it home and they lived by it. They took seriously the word of God. They took seriously what the spirit of God said to the churches and they began to repent and the king called for a fast and the people fasted and even though God had already declared through the man of God that judge will come in 40 days I mean it was declared God, it was as good as if it was already done because God had spoken it even though all that happened in verse 9 of Jonah chapter 3 the king said who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not who can tell you know the Bible said the Lord repented that means the Lord changed his mind and decided to withdraw the wrath that was imminent. Did you know that as a church, if we decide to repent and turn from our wicked ways, what does the Bible say there in Second Chronicles 7.14? It says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So even if God has already pronounced judgment, who can tell? But if God will repent of his judgment, if we will genuinely and sincerely repent of our wicked ways and give our lives back to him, where it belongs. Talking about when God gets angry, but His anger does not have to be the last thing. You can appease the wrath of God at the foot of the cross. If you're lost, you can be saved and be sheltered from eternal damnation. And you can avoid the eternal wrath of God in a place called hell. On this side of heaven, if you're saved, you can avoid a lot of pitfalls. You can avoid uh, being absent of God's presence and provisions in your life if you will simply yield to the will of God for your life. If you will, like the prodigal son, come back home again. If a backslidden church, if a cold and indifferent church, or if a lukewarm church uh, will repent of our sins and get on our face before Almighty God and beg God to send revival and beg God to help us to find the error of our way and, and correct the error and walk in newness of life and walk according to the Scriptures of the Word of God, who can tell but what God might send a revival in a day that they say revival will never happen again? Who can tell but what God might not listen to us if we will sincerely seek a place of repentance I believe that in a church age where many denominations are now 
making unbiblical decisions to embrace same-sex marriage and such hideous things as that. May I just call it a spade a spade this morning? You cannot call yourself a church if you ignore the Scriptures because the church is birthed out of the Scriptures and if you violate the Scriptures, you can no longer call yourself a church. You may put church on the sign, but it's nothing more than a social club if you don't abide by the principles of the Word of God. And in a day and age where we have churches and denominations embracing anything and everything under the sun, all for the sake of tolerance and political correctness, it looks like our glory days are over. It looks like the church has lost its testimony. It looks like things are bad and God would rightfully judge us. And you know, the Lord warned the church there in the New Testament and warned the Gentiles against rejecting Christ unless they which were grafted be turned away from again. See, we were grafted in by the grace of God, but if we abuse the grace of God, He no longer has to strive with us. He could shift it, and guess what? One day He's going to shift His focus right back on Israel. And we're in a day and age where the church is under the judgment of God because of the stupid decisions that we have allowed our leaders to make that were anti-biblical and against the Word of God. And I just say today that there is still hope for revival if there would be a people anywhere on the face of the planet that would decide to do it God's way. They would decide, you know what, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to do it the way the Bible says do it. And look, if you have a problem with it, show it to me in the Word of God. That's my authority right there. That's my authority. And if you can point to me and accurately describe what it is that I'm doing wrong and it's within context of the Word of God and you're not twisting Scripture to fit your own personal opinions and whatever, but you show me in the Word of God where I'm wrong, I will repent. That's the attitude we got to have. we got to be willing to repent and get back to the principles of the Word of God and get back to the basics of the Word of God. And if we will do that... The Bible says that he will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sin. He will heal our land. Listen, church, we have the answer for this lost and wicked and perverse nation, but we have got to be willing to lead the way back to God. We've got to become passionate again about God's will for our life and not take things, you know, with a grain of salt. We've got to take the Word of God seriously. This is some serious stuff. This is some heavy stuff. So many times we are bid to the supper and we're very haphazard with our response and very nonchalant. No big deal anymore if I never go to revival. No big deal anymore if I never get plugged in and help anything. No big deal if I miss a few tithe checks here and there. No big deal if I no longer am giving my all to the Lord. No big deal. We're just nonchalant about it. And listen, I'm just telling you, if you really want the favor and the blessings of God on your life, you've got to take this thing more seriously than that. You know what revival is? Revival is when we, the people of God, are brought back to life. When we are brought back to life. Habakkuk 3.2 O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years made known. In wrath, remember Mercy. That ought to be our prayer. Habakkuk was a man of God standing in the midst of a people under the judgment of God. They were in Babylonian captivity, if my memory serves me correctly. If it wasn't Babylon, it was captivity somewhere. I don't remember exactly. But the point is, he was in the midst of the judgment of God on the people of Israel. He was praying, oh God, in wrath, remember mercy. And I refuse to buy into the lie that God is through with his church. That God is done with his people.
that God can't do it anymore, that the glory days have come and gone. All we can do now is sit around and pull out the old photo albums and history books and reminisce about yesterday. No, 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 no. You know what? My generation needs God today. And I'm glad for what God did for George Whitfield. You know, I'm glad for what God did for all the men of the past. I was reading about Charles uh, Finney, I believe was his name. He was that great Presbyterian preacher that God used to send revival fire. I was reading this morning, he walked, he was preaching a revival. He was invited by, I believe it was his brother-in-law that was running a factory at the time. His brother-in-law invited him to this community where his factory was to start a revival in a local church. And so he began preaching revival. And one day after a meeting, he went to the factory and he wanted to just see how the machinery worked and just his presence alone brought such a conviction to the people at the factory that revival broke out he didn't have to say a word but see some of those was under the word while he was preaching in that revival and when he came revival broke out they shut the factory down the lost owner of the factory said it is better for these souls to be saved than for us to continue our business And they said in that revival alone, 3,000 people got saved. I'm talking about the power of God at work in our generation. God can do it again, but we've got to be hungry for God. And don't just think that God will just do it when He wants to. God's waiting on you. God is waiting on me. God responds to our responses. That's what this whole text is about. The only time God gets angry and walks away from a people is when they've walked away from Him. But if we'll embrace Him today, if we will seek Him today and beg God to move in our midst again, God will do it again. And I do not want to live under the judgment of God because I'm unwilling to be obedient to His Word. And would to God that we would get so saved that we would get out of maintenance mode and get into ministry mode that we would get so right with God rather that we would get out of maintenance. See, we're good. We're real good about maintenance. We can maintain. We can keep the building looking good. We can keep it painted. We can keep the air conditioning in service. We can do all these wonderful things, and we need that. We need maintenance. It is a vital part of functioning ministry. But if we forsake the ministry itself and just work on the maintenance, we become keepers of the aquarium rather than fishers of men. And God wants to get in our business where we will stop pretending and playing church and we will actually become the church. See, you can be the church or you can do church. Jesus was rebuking these folk because they was doing church, but they wasn't being church. They served God with their mouth, but their actions and their heart were far from them. They said they loved the Lord, but when it came right down to commitment, they had other priorities. God help us to get out in our community. Most people associate their church and their Christian experience with what happens at the physical building. And it goes no further than that. But a church is a living and breathing organism. It's an organization that's supposed to function in the community and reach the lost at all costs. And it's not all dependent on just the preacher, but it's also dependent upon the pews that we would go out with a burden for the lost and beg God to help us to be a witness to the lost so that we might open our mouth boldly and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and be a witness to other people. But now we have a nation full of churches that have sat on the stool of do-nothing and we have maintained, but we have not ministered. We hold our own, but we're not growing. Did you know that 80% of churches are better are either at a plateau in their growth or in decline? 
We're talking about the church of the living God. We're talking about the most powerful and most important message that God has ever given mankind, and we can't do no better than that. I tell you, the problem is we have become irresponsible, number one, and non-responsive, number two, to the Word of God. We say that we love God. We say that we're doing God's will, but yet we're not really putting into practice what we hear preached. And I just don't want to stand before God one day and be guilty of being a hearer of the word and not a doer. Thanks for listening today to Pastor Gary's message on True North. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an edition. If you've enjoyed today's message, please leave us a note in the comments and be sure to share these teachings with others. True North is a part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more by visiting our website, garycottle.com. Is there something we could be praying for in your life right now? Let Pastor Gary know by sending an email to contact at garycottle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. Would you do something for us too? Would you pray for this ministry of True North? We want to make sure we're following God's plans for us at all times, with courage to step out in faith and humility to allow Him to work. Please pray that we'd stay tethered to the Lord always. Would you also pray for others who will be listening to this broadcast? Pray that God will open ears and hearts to His truth, and that many will come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for joining us for this edition of True North.